If you took your phone out now, and uh, I don't encourage you to do this, but uh, if you did, you'd hit your, go to your settings, and then you scroll down, you hit general. This is the screen that would pop up after you hit general. It'd say there, iPhone storage, background app refresh. You go down the bottom, it has the word reset. Now again, I don't want you to be messing around with this because I can't be responsible for what you guys do to your phones. You come complain to me going, Pastor Johnny, you told me and now my phone's all gone. I, I can't be responsible for that. But if you hit reset, here's the next screen that would pop up. And uh, you notice there at the top it says, give some options of different types of reset. It says reset all settings. That was not so dangerous. You can hit that. It's gonna move kind of your settings back to what it was originally formatted when you first got the phone. But it's gonna leave your pictures on there. It's gonna leave your messages on there. It's gonna leave your content on there. It's gonna leave your other on there. Uh, I don't know if you've ever looked around on the, on the storage on your phone to see what's taken up the storage, but when you do, you, you click on those storage buttons and it'll have a little graph, it'll have little colors of what's on your phone and what's taken up. It'll say photos and videos, and it'll be so many gig. It'll say, uh, you know, messages, and it'll be so much. Uh, and then there's always a category on there that just says other. And sometimes you have phone for a little while. Sometimes the other category would be taking up all kinds of space. And you could be like, well, what's the other? No one can tell you what it is. You can Google it, and they'll be like, oh, it's just other, other stuff, just other. How do, can I get other off my phone? They're like, no, you can't. You can't get other off your phone. But if you go down to that second one that says erase all content and settings, now you better, you better be careful you, you know, stepping around that button. You click that button, you're getting ready to erase it all. All your photos, all your pictures, all your messages, all your content, it's all getting ready to go when you hit uh, erase all content and settings. And, uh, um, and the, your phone will warn you too. It'll make you say it like five times and be like, are you sure you wanna do this? You'll be like, yes, and then it'll come up again. Are you like double sure, for sure, for sure? And you have to be like, yes, be like, okay, type in 14 passwords, because you gotta be real sure. Like, they're trying to make sure that you don't mess, because when you do that, it's gonna erase it all. Now here's what a lot of us do, and I've done this before. You get a new phone because your old phone starts glitching, starts messing up, starts freezing up, starts dropping stuff, uh, and you're like, man, something's going on inside this phone, it must be time for me to get a new one. And so you get a new phone, and when you go to get the new phone, this is what they're gonna ask you, they're gonna be like, now, do you wanna back up your old phone to restore the new phone with the old phone stuff? Most of us say yes, because we don't want to go through the trouble of starting over. So we go, yeah, so we back up the old phone, and then we take all the pictures and all the, all the messages and all the content and all the other from the old phone, and we got the new phone, and we take all that stuff and we put it on the new phone. Now, the new phone from the outside, it looks so good. I mean, it's just shiny everywhere. There's no dents because you haven't dropped it yet. There's no crack across the screen yet because you haven't dropped it. There's no scratches. There's no food crumbs up around the screen from you, you know, taking pictures of your meal and dropping the phone inside. None of that's happening on the outside. That phone looks so pretty. It looks so awesome. But what you've done is you've carried over all the extra. You've carried over all the other, all the junk that made the old phone work slow. All you've done is carry that over to the new phone. So the new phone looks so good on the outside. The problem is we're carrying over all the junk from the past onto the new phone. And that's how, that's apparently some of you are with me already. Because that's how we think about reset when it comes from God. 
Some of us think about recent, we go, well, you know what, when 2021 starts, I'll just add some new things. I'll just, matter of fact, I'll get some, I got some new clothes at Christmas and I look so good on the outside. Maybe you got new clothes for Christmas. Maybe some of you got new hair for Christmas. It's looking great. Maybe somebody got new teeth for Christmas or a new face even. I don't know. But from the outside, you can look so good. You go, I'm going to carry that into 2021. Maybe I'll even work on the outside in 2021 and I'll get my outside looking so good. But But God's version of reset does not include you carrying over all the baggage from 2020 into 2021. All the fear and all the depression and all of the doubt and all of the sin and compromise, that's not reset. But sometimes that's how we think of of reset, that it's just, well, just, just so long as it looks a little bit better. No, God's version of reset goes way deeper than that. Let me me read to you what God's version is of reset is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and I just like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Mm. The old life is gone. The other is gone. The old content is gone and a new life has begun. That's God's version of reset, that the old life is gone, that the old man, if you want to say it that way, is dead. And listen, I have bad news for you. We're all dying anyway. I mean, all of us, we're dying. And I'm not talking about like, yeah, at some point we're going to all die and, and stand before God, give an account for our life. Yes, that's true. But I'm talking about like right now, like during this service, in a molecular level, you're dying Like your cells and the atoms in your body, they're just constantly dying. That's the bad news. The good news is there are new cells and new atoms that are also just regenerating inside of your body. That's constantly happening. And listen, I'm no molecular biologist. I can barely say the term, much less have the occupation, all right? So I am not a molecular biologist, but I've read just a little bit about this. And what they say is that it takes about seven years of our lives that every seven years we have completely at that point died off at a molecular level, died off all of our atoms, all of our cells, and they've all rejuvenated. So you know how sometimes you haven't seen somebody for a few years or whatever, they say, man, you're like a different person. And you're like, I am a different person. It's all died. Everything that you used to know is dead. All my cells are new and regenerated. And that's God's version of, of, of reset and of regeneration. And, and the reason why I love about that, that God created that and built our bodies that way is because I think God did that to show that he's a God of reset. He's a God of true reset. And not only does that happen automatically in our physical bodies, but that can happen spiritually, emotionally, right? It can happen mentally for us. As we go to God and say, God, since you're a God of reset, I need a reset in my life. I need a refreshing. I need the old to be gone, and I need new life to come. Acts 3.19 talks about these moments of, 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 of reset like this. It says, repent, therefore, and return that your sins may be wiped away. And I love this in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing may come 
from the presence of the Lord. Some of you have experienced that before and you didn't know what it was labeled. You didn't know how to describe it, but you knew you got in the presence of God and just something happened on a spiritual, molecular level. You just felt like there was something new going on and you didn't know what that was. Well, let me tell you what is the promise that as you come to God and turn away from the old you, there are times of refreshing. And I love that it's plural, not singular. Because sometimes we think about it this way, that we come to Christ when we're all torn up and all messed up and sick in our sin. We come to Christ, we give our life to Christ and say, God, if you can do anything with this, and if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, everything's made new, and we think that God goes, okay, now you're new, so do your best to stay new. Like, be careful. Don't get scuffed up. Don't get dirty. Don't get messed up because this is it. That's how sometimes we think. But God is not a God of one reset. God is a God of times of refreshing come from the Lord. So daily I can just go to God. He's constantly regenerating me in my spiritual life if I have right relationship with him. It would just be, it would be almost like It'd almost be like there was just some giant reset. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was just some giant reset button that we could just go to any time that we started to feel like we just were a little bit worn down? Well, good news, we actually built one. And so at the end of service, we're all gonna line up and take turns pressing the giant reset button. Uh, and it's gonna be awesome because we've prayed such an anointing on it that when you come, and I'm not gonna press it yet, Matter of fact, nobody's going to press it today. The giant reset button is going to be out on Thursday night at the New Year's Eve service. And that service starts at 1030. And what we're going to do on New Year's Eve, we're actually kind of right on the New Year's Day, right at midnight, we are going to hit this reset button. And as we do, that's just going to symbolically represent all of the reset, all of the breakthrough, all of the things we're believing for to take uh, effect in 2021. And so do not miss that service. But that's just a, a big physical representation of what God is. He's a God of reset. We were created for that. And the word reset, really, it means this. It means to put back in its original or original place or position. The word reset, to put back in its original place or position. Now, we as a race, our original place and position is to be like God and to be right with God, Amen. right? You go back to Genesis chapter three and you can read about it. When, when, when God creates man in his image, we're created to be like God and we're created to be with God. You can read about it. God would come down in the garden in the cool of the day and just fellowship I mean, just be right there in person with men. That's how we were created to be. Now, sin has taken us away from that, but to reset is to bring us back to our original position. To hit a reset button is to go, okay, now I'm back to right with God. I'm back to being like God, and that's God's version of reset. That's what we read about in Ephesians chapter four. I told you we were gonna get there, uh, and it was worth the wait. Here we are, Ephesians chapter four. Let's start with verse 17. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity 
and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new, somebody say new, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on, there it is again, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus uh, and he's writing this to Christians who have gotten to the place that they might need some reset in certain areas of, of their life. As a matter of fact, thinking about the definition of reset is to put back in its original place or position. In Revelation, you can read letters to the churches and the letter to the church of Ephesus says, I hold this against you. You've lost your first love. You know what that is saying? You need a reset. You need to go back to that first position, that first moment when you first accepted Christ and you gave your heart to him and everything was so new and so fresh and you're, you just couldn't wait to get in the house of God. You couldn't wait to pray. You couldn't wait to worship. You couldn't wait to hear from the word of God. And, and, and in the book of Revelation, this letter to this church in Ephesus is that you've lost that. You need to go back to that. And maybe some of us, as we look to 2021, maybe that's where we're at. Maybe we're in need of a reset in our life that we would go back to our first love. And that kind of total reset is gonna, is gonna include some things that we see here in Ephesians chapter four. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, but the first thing that it's going to include as we talk about a complete reset in our life is this. It's gonna take us having a, to reestablish a right heart that we would reestablish in us a right heart. Now Paul describes the opposite of a right heart here in verse 18 and 19. He says of these people, he says they're darkened in their understanding, they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, look at this, due to the hardening of their heart. There was a lack of understanding, there was an ignorance that was going on because of the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity, it says. Now, what you need to understand, and you may not just by reading that verse, but the, the uh, community, the culture in Ephesus, it was a very, very wicked place. And I know that we look around our, our culture today and we go, oh man, it's never been this bad anywhere in the history of the world. And um, I'll admit that there are sins and opportunities to sin now that weren't available in other decades and other centuries. However, you can read your Bible and find there were some pretty desperate and deviant places uh, throughout history. Well, Ephesus would be one of those. Uh, in Ephesus, they had a, a temple there, the Temple of Diana. At the time, it was really considered one of the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world. But this temple basically had every kind of depravity uh, that you could ever imagine. And uh, it was really what the city of Ephesus was known for. Uh, there, you would find temple prostitution. This was all part of, uh, mixed in with this dark, religion, but temple prostitution, crime, immorality, idolatry, every conceivable form of sin was going on in this temple of Diana. And this is where uh, Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus, and he's saying this, there is a hardening of their hearts because of what they're exposed to. 
He says they've lost sensitivity. Now, it's crazy uh, how far a man or woman will go once they've lost all sensitivity. It's amazing the sin I will fall into when, I, when my heart is hardened and I've lost all sensitivity to God. But here's the thing, that kind of loss of sensitivity does not happen in a moment. That kind of callous, if you want, right? Like a calloused heart, it doesn't happen in one moment. Matter of fact, if there's somebody uh, maybe here today that works in construction, and maybe you swing a hammer a lot, and so what will happen is if you do that, swing a hammer, uh, you'll start to get calluses in your hands, and uh, you could take that person's hands and you could pinch the skin right there, and they won't even feel it. I mean, it's gross, but you could take a safety pin and just go, and just go right up inside that, right out the other side. They won't even feel it. They'll just sit there and let you do it. Now, you poke me with the safety pin, I'm going to scream, but they're not even feeling it. They've lost the sensitivity because the callus, now that didn't happen in one moment. It didn't, they didn't pick up the hammer one time, swing the hammer and go, ha, I got calluses, awesome. It doesn't work like that. No, it's time after time after time, the callus builds, it builds, and then I lose sensitivity. That's what's dangerous about a hard heart. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, think about it. If one minute I am sensitive to God, he's leading and guiding and directing my life, I get into moments like this of corporate worship and I just sense him. His presence is so strong. He speaks to me. Uh, he moves me. He's, he's the everything in my life. If I go from one second and then all of a sudden tomorrow morning I wake up and I just got nothing. Just nothing, and I come to church next week and I feel nothing. I mean, that would be so alarming if it was that quickly, if it was that uh, of an obvious change in such a short amount of time, it would cause me to go, okay, God, what's going on? God, I need to change something. God, something has to, I've been exposed to something and I've lost you, but it doesn't happen in an instant. It happens so gradual that we cannot even notice. So maybe, maybe a threshold of a new year is a good time to just go, where's, where's my sensitivity level at? Like, like, how do I sense you right now, God? Like, do I, do I hear your voice right now, God? Do I sense you guiding and directing my life right now, God? And if we're honest with ourselves, and we go, I, okay, I, I guess I'm not hearing his voice and I don't sense his direction and I don't sense his, his guiding in my life. Well, that's a dangerous place to be. Paul describes these, these people that get to that state. He says they're, they have futility in their thinking. And that word futile, futility that he uses there in the Greek, it basically just means without direction. It's just aimless, without a goal. And that's what a life with a hardened heart becomes. And so part of God's reset for you is a new heart. I mean a tender heart to the things of God that you would sense him again, feel him again, hear his voice again. That's gonna be a part of this. In verse 20, Paul goes on and he says, and that's however not the way of life that you learned. Another verse says, that's not how you learned Christ. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. If you're taking notes, kind of the second key jumps out to me here, that it's a restart with healthy habits. That's gonna be part of God's reset for your life, that there would be a restarting of, of healthy habits. 
See, Paul's talking to the, uh, to the church here in Ephesus, and he's talking to them about being deliberate about their behavior, being deliberate about their habits. If you think about it, how does a life change? Because we talk about that all the time. We go, oh, well, you know, his life was changed, her life, my life was changed. How does a life change? Here's how a life changed. That there is such a dramatic, drastic, real change on the inside, for instance, a new heart, that change on the inside is so powerful that it starts to affect the outside. And we can't work it the other way. We don't learn to behave better so that God will change our heart. It doesn't work like that. Change starts on the inside. Somebody say amen, right? Change starts on the inside. God puts a new heart and that new heart is so drastic within me that it starts to affect my behavior. It starts to affect my habits. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying you've got to be deliberate and put off the old self, put off those old habits. And we are way more entrenched in habits than we realize. There are so many habits in our life. Matter of fact, our brain could not handle all of the activity that we do if it wasn't for habits. So what happens is there are certain aspects of our life that just become, we don't even have to think about it, it just becomes so natural and a very, very small part of our brain can make that happen. And so if you'll notice, I am preaching, but I'm also walking at the same time. How am I able to do that? It's because I'm so incredibly gifted and talented. But it's also, I'm just kidding, it's not because of that at all. I'm just kidding, no. Uh, it's because habit, it's because walking has become a habit. I don't even have to think about it. Look at me go, isn't this incredible? I am so much better than most one-year-olds at walking. It's amazing. Because when you're one, when you're one and a half, and you're first learning how to walk, you, your brain has to be firing on every single neuron, and you're just like, okay, right foot up, balance, forward, backwards, whatever. Watch them when they're going. It's like take such concentration, and anything that distracts them, and then boom, down they go because it's not habit yet. But oh, once it becomes habit, I can do it without even thinking about it. We're gonna do a little scientific experiment right now across all the campuses. Even if you're not at a campus on a screen somewhere, do this with me, okay? Everybody, everybody, are you ready? I want you to fold your arms, okay? Everybody in here, just fold your arms. Just fold them up right now. I gotta first tell you this, this would be a tough crowd to preach to right now. Can you imagine if y'all just came into churches like that with that attitude of just like, what do you got to say? I mean, you, you don't tell me nothing. Like, that'd be awesome. So that's how y'all look right now, but I asked you to do it, it's all right? All right, so you're, you're all folded up there. Now here's the thing I want you to do. Uh, I want you to switch your arms the opposite now. Switch your arms the opposite now. <laughs> you see how that weird that is? You see how many neurons started firing? Some of you still aren't there yet. You're still like, what now? You're like, it's. You know why? Because one is habit. You didn't have to think about it. You didn't, when I said fold your arms, you didn't go, okay, I usually put left arm under, right arm on. You didn't even think about it. You just did it. But when I asked you to switch, <laughs> and you know why? Because that is how strong habit is. Now here's the dangerous thing. If habits are that strong, what if I have habits in my life that are unhealthy? What if there are habits in my life that I am doing that are unhealthy and I don't even have to think? How about even worse? What if I have habits in my life that are sinful? And they just happen. 
I just find myself in the middle of a sinful habit and I haven't even had to plan on it. I haven't had to think about it. You know, they call it habitual sin. You don't have to be, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to study Greek a whole lot to figure out the, the, the root word of habitual is habit. All right, we, we, we can figure that out. Habitual sin, it's sin that has become a habit. Think the sins of the tongue. Some people get so used to lying that they'll be like, 60 seconds into a lie before they even realize they're lying. They'll be thinking in their head, why am I even lying? I didn't even have to lie on this one. Why am, I, why am I into this lie right now? Because it becomes habit. We start talking bad about people, and it's just amazing. Somebody can walk by, and it'll just start to flow. Just all kinds of negativity about that person. Be like, I didn't, even, I didn't even plan on talking bad about them. It just started to happen. There can be other sins of our mind, lust of our mind. Habits, of, we, might, we, might, we might put something on and, and, and be in the middle of seeing something that's sin in our life, some secret sin, not even really thinking about it. That's the danger of habit, and that's what Paul's talking about. He says, look, there are times when you've got to get a fresh heart, a new heart in you, a heart that is so tender that you decide to put off the old self. You decide to stop some of these habits that are unhealthy, some of these things that are hurting you. It's a scary thought how easy it is. And really, a wasted life, if you wanna, if you wanna look at it, because none of us wanna get to the end of our life and feel like it was wasted. Well, a wasted life is nothing more than a collection of unhealthy habits that turn into wasted days. And then wasted days, a bunch of habits, wasted days turn into wasted weeks, and wasted weeks turn into wasted months. And as we look into 2021, we all get a level playing field. We all get 365 days to make something out of it, to start to turn some healthy habits in our life. We get 365 days to start to build some fresh habits. Maybe it's, maybe it's building, better building habits of having better people in my life talked about connect groups, and maybe you've never thought about getting into connect group, and maybe that's, maybe that's a healthy habit that you can start, that you can get involved in and start to build relationship with people. Instead of coming to complain, well, the church is too large, you never get to know anybody. It's not for the people who decide that part of their habit is gonna be getting to know people. It's just not. Maybe it's a matter of building a better, healthy habit in your spiritual life, in your prayer life. Back in 2000, in the year 2000, um, Windows came out with a new version. It's kind of a big deal back then. It was called Windows Me. Does anybody remember when Windows Me came out? Yeah, uh, it was Millennium Edition, I think is what the Me stood for. It was kind of a big deal. It had some new features. Well, one of the new features that it had when it came out was a feature that was a, a, a certain type of restore or reset feature. I feel like computers have gotten a little bit more stable, but man, back in the day, we all probably have been there where you're typing something, some paper in school or whatever, and all of a sudden everything freezes up and you get that blue screen of death and you're like, oh man, what am I gonna do? And it's just gone, you know? Well, Windows Me had a system in it, built into it, that if your computer did freeze up or if a virus came or something happened, you could go and reset, restart the computer, and as you did, you could go back and choose the time and day that you want to restore the computer to. So it's like you were there on Friday working on something, you've been working on it all week, and, uh, and it crashes and it goes and it goes down 
And you go, I think it was ever since I started that, so I could go back and say, I'm gonna go back to Wednesday at noon, and that's the spot I want my computer to reboot to, and it would. And everybody was so excited about that feature. I can't help but think that part of the reason why people were so excited about that feature, maybe people started to think about how awesome that would be in real life. Oh, if I could just go back, if I could just choose the time and place to reset and start over, there'd probably be some husbands that would wanna go back and choose the day before they started the affair. There'd probably be some employees that would choose to go back to the day before they started embezzling the funds. Maybe there would be a parent that would choose to go back to the day before the big fight that caused their son to run away. Maybe there would be an addict that would say, I, I, I would love to go back to the day before I took the first hit or I took the first pill. Maybe there would be a Christian who would say, I, I would want to go back to that first time I stepped out in ministry, I knew I was empty. I knew I hadn't been spending any time with God. I knew there was secret sin in my life, but yet I was still, I just decided to keep doing it. I decided to keep going, and I was serving out of my own strength, and it's made me bitter. It's made me weary. It's made me burned out. Maybe they'd choose to go back and say, I, I, I'd rather build a healthy habit of a strong relationship with God. Well, I guess the bad news is we can't go back but the good news is this, that God has given us permission to reset. God has invited us to put off the old self. Anytime we want to, God says, I, you, you come, you push a reset button, you're putting off the old self with its deceitful desires, and you're putting on the new. That's what we get to in this final kind of key to total renewal would be this to renew your mind. A total reset is gonna include our mind being renewed. I like it in verse 23. Paul says to this group in Ephesus, he says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. We like the thought of God just kinda of doing some sort of mental transplant, just fixing everything, but Paul says, no, it's your attitude. We have some say in that, don't we? That we would be new in the attitude of our mind and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's like take advantage, that's what Paul's saying. Take advantage of this opportunity that God's given you to have a new mindset, a new attitude, a new outlook, if you wanna put it that way. And he calls it a renewed mind. I think we have a tough time with that word renew because we as humans, we cannot renew anything. If you think about it, we can create something new, but I can't renew anything. I can't take an old car, I can restore an old car, but I can't make an old car a new car. I could put all new parts on, it's still not a new car. I could take an old house, and I could put some fresh paint, and fix some stuff, and put some new flooring, and, and I mean, I could restore a house, but I can't sell it as a brand new, it's not a brand new house. I could tear the house down and build a new house, but that's not doing anything with the old house. Think about it, with clothes, I can't renew clothes. I can only wear them as new once, and after that, they're just not new anymore. So maybe we have a tough time understanding renew because we can't do it, but here's the thing, God 
can. God is a God of renewal. He can take your old mess, your old junk, your old baggage, your old other, and he can make you new again. And he can do it time and time again. This renewing of your mind, it's tough to overestimate. It's tough to exaggerate the power of a renewed mind. I can't do it because it's that powerful. Because a renewed mind brings total transformation. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says it this way. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. We go, well, that's easy for you to say, Paul, how? How do we be transformed? By the renewing of our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you'll know, you'll sense the direction of God. So I ask you, what area of your life, what attitude needs to be renewed in your life? Maybe for some it's an attitude of faith. You just need to start believing God again because you've allowed doubt. You've allowed just uh, uh, unbelief to, to take over. Like you face a situation and your, autumn, your habit is just to go to unbelief and go, well, here's another problem that won't get fixed in my life. No, maybe it needs to be an attitude of faith that's renewed. Maybe an attitude of forgiveness that's renewed because you're still holding on. Here we are coming to the close of another year and I'm still holding on to the hurt, the hatred, the resentment, I'm still holding on to it. I still have justified it in my own head. You don't understand what they said to me. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they didn't say to me. You may have your justification, but maybe God is speaking to you about hitting reset on that attitude. And instead of unforgiveness, maybe an attitude of forgiveness. Maybe it's an attitude of hope again, an optimism again. Maybe pessimism has become your habit. And it's just like, just always, it's just all gonna fall apart. And I found this, that you know what? Pessimists and optimists, they're both usually right. I mean, if I'm doing life and I'm just expecting everything's gonna fall apart all the time, everything's always gonna be bad, it's always gonna be worst case scenario, it usually is, I'm usually right. But if I'm walking around with a little bit of faith in my heart, if I'm walking around with an attitude that, you know what, if God is for me, who can be against me? If I have that kind of attitude, it's amazing that kind of starts to happen in my life. Maybe it's an attitude of usefulness because some of you think that you're not able to be used of God. You're still focused on your mistakes. And I want to tell somebody who's hearing me right now, you are more to God than your worst mistake. You've got to understand that. You are useful to God. Matter of fact, matter of fact, it reminds me of my most favorite reset story in the Bible. And I'll just end with this my favorite example of reset in all of scripture. And it begins kind of in Luke chapter five, it's Peter. It's Peter's first call to ministry, first call by Christ in Luke chapter five, and you find it, and Peter's a fisherman, that's his job, that's his vocation, that's his uh, living, that's how he makes his money. One day he's just fishing, doing what he did. Uh, he's over here washing nets, and his boat's right over here, and Jesus just gets in Peter's boat without even asking just pop-ups in there and just starts preaching from Peter's boat. And Peter notices this, so he's got a decision to make. Do I stay over here with my nets or do I put this down and go see what's going on? He gets rid of uh, his nets and he comes over to Jesus and Jesus gets done preaching. He says, hey, Peter, let's push out into some deep water. So Peter agrees and they push out to deep water. And as they push out to deep water, there in Luke chapter five, Jesus says, hey, 
Peter, why don't you drop some nets here? Let's, let's do some fishing. I love this part because then Simon says to him, well, teacher, we've worked all night. We've caught nothing. Uh, and he was kind of saying like, look, I know you're not a fisherman. I am. We've already fished all this, this area out. There ain't nothing here. He says, but because you told me to, just a little condescending towards Jesus, because you said it, I'll do it. It ain't going to work, but I'll do it, Jesus. And so he drops his net. And when he did, let the net down. They caught so many fish that their nets started to break. Matter of fact, Peter gets other boats. He's like, come here, we need help. We gotta get these fish. This is crazy, look at this. So other boats, boats starting to sink because there's so many fish, it's so crazy. And when they get to shore, Jesus says, hey Peter, I want you to follow me and be a fisher like this, but for men. And Peter makes a decision at that moment to leave everything. And everything had just become a whole lot bigger, a whole lot more lucrative, because everything before the fishing event wasn't including all this fish. Professional fishermen, that's a lot of money. Peter leaves that to follow Jesus. Follows Jesus for some years of Jesus' ministry. Ministers alongside him. Learns so many things. And Jesus starts to let the disciples know how it's going to play out. He begins to say, I I'm going to uh, be crucified. Peter jumps up and he says, okay, th this is not going to happen to you. Begins to argue with Jesus. And Jesus says, you know what? That's a wrong attitude right now. He says, you, get behind me, Satan. Calls him Satan. And Peter says, uh, I, I, I would never let this happen. And, and in that conversation, Jesus even says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter says, never. I, I won't do that. And he goes, you are. You're going to deny me three times. And Jesus ends up being crucified being flogged, and during that process of the flogging, just like Jesus said, Peter denies Jesus three times. I mean, I never even knew him and whatever, just all this, just completely does exactly what he said he would never do. And when he does, and when he realizes what's happened, devastation. Oh, look what I've thrown away. I was called, I was being used of God, and I threw it all away. You wanna talk about somebody in need of reset. Peter knows where you are. Peter knows how you feel because he needed reset. Jesus crucified, died, rises again on the third day. And now sometime later, the disciples are really trying to figure out where to go from here. Peter's talking to some of them and he says this. He says, well, I'm gonna go fishing. We find it in John chapter 21. I'm gonna go fishing. Some of the disciples are like, well, we'll go with you. You know what that statement was? It was a statement of, I'm just going back. It's what, it's what I know, it's what I knew, it's what I did. I'm just going back. I'm going back to the old way. Some of the disciples go with him. And while they're out there fishing, um, I love it. Somebody appears on the shore. It's Jesus, he calls out to them, children, how's the fishing going? Do you have any fish? They're like, no, we don't have it, we haven't caught any. And this stranger from the shore says, well, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And don't you know, Peter was thinking, who's this guy think he is? Like, I'm a professional fisherman. You don't think I tried the other side of the boat already? I, there's both sides and I tried both sides. There ain't no fish on either side, but he does. They do. They put the net down on the other side of the boat and when they do, so many fish, they can't even haul them in. Boat starts to sink again. Don't you know in that moment, Peter's like, wait, where have I, what have I? I remember something like, 
who, and he looks up and realizes what's going on. And he is so excited about who that is. He's so excited about the prospect of reset. He's thinking, the first time I got called, this happened. And the only way this could happen again is maybe the one who called me the first time is getting ready to call me again. Maybe my mistakes won't define me after all. And they start rowing. They start rowing back to the, to the shore. Peter's like, forget that. Takes off his jacket. He just dives in like a little kid. He can't get to Jesus fast enough. That's how desperate he was for reset. Peter knows how some of us feel when we get so desperate for reset. And he has the moment. Jesus ends up having a conversation. He says, Peter, you love me, don't you? He said, I do. Jesus asked him three times. A lot of people think that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Because he denied him three times. It was a complete reset. And he said, well, then I'm going to use you in ministry. And maybe that's what somebody in this house needs. Maybe that's what somebody needs at Redbug at Michigan Street. Maybe that's what somebody needs watching at home right now. You need a complete reset. God is a God of reset. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would, all across this room, across all of our campuses, with nobody looking around. I only, I only ask you to do that so that we could look in right now. Maybe not be looking around. Maybe not be wondering what somebody else is doing, but maybe we should wonder the condition of our heart. Maybe we should think about some of the habits that have formed in our life. Maybe we should think about our mind that is in such desperate need of renewal. If you're here today and you need spiritual renewal. You're watching this on a screen and you need spiritual renewal. If that is you, I want to pray for you as we close this service out. You'd say, I'm outside a relationship with God. I know it. I need Jesus Christ in my life. I need forgiveness of my sin. If that's you, I want you, come on, right now across this room and at all of our campuses, if you need to be found in Christ again. Or maybe you need to come to Christ for the first time, but you know you're not right with God and you need forgiveness of your sin. You need to get right with God today. If that's you, I want you right now. Would you slip up your hand? I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Come on. All thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands up. I need to get right with God, right with God. Yes, yes. There at the campuses. I need to get right with God. Anybody else? Come on, slip up your hand. I need to get right with God. How many would say this? How many would say this, that right now I am in need of, of a renewal, I need a, a reset in a different area of my life. Like I'm living for God, but I need to reset emotionally, or I need to reset financially, or I need to reset professionally, I need to reset in my home, I need to reset my marriage, I need to reset my family. If that's you, come on, just wave at me if that's you. I just need to reset in a different area of my life. And I'm believing God, uh, God of reset, I'm believing for that. Come on, stand to your feet if you would, all across this campus, at our other campuses, would you stand? The campus pastors are going to take the service from there. But come on, as we stand, I'm going to ask you to do something. Can we lift our hands all across this room? Can we take just a few seconds and thank God for reset? Come on, thank God for just a breakthrough in your life. Thank God for reset. I just, I just thank you, God, that you're a God that can break strongholds, a God that can break addiction, a God that can break the power of sin, a God that can break the power of an unhealthy habit. Father, we thank you for reset today. We worship you. We thank you. We thank you. Listen, if you lifted your hand a moment ago saying you need to get right with God, I'm going to ask you to take a step. When Pastor John begins to sing, and I'm asking you to step to this front, we're going to pray together. Or for those of you that lifted your hand just saying, I need just reset in a different area. 
Come on, don't leave this building the way you came. As he begins to sing, I invite you, step out, make your way to this front. You need to get right with God or you need breakthrough. Come on, step out as he sings. Come on, meet me in this front right now. You lifted your hand saying, I need to get right with God. Come on, meet me in this front right now. Hands were up for every section. Come on, as we sing it one more time, we'll wait for you. You lifted your hand and said, I just need to reset in an area of my heart, an area of my life. Don't miss this opportunity. Come on, we're going to sing it one more time. I feel like God's stirring somebody. Don't miss this moment of sensitivity to God. Come on, if you need it. will remain open today as this uh, service concludes. I want to remind you, don't miss Thursday night, the New Year's Eve service, where we will be hitting the reset button and believe in God for breakthrough in all the areas of your life. Matter of fact, between now and then, be praying about the specific areas of reset that you need most. And God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you, Lord God. We thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, God. Thank you for this moment of reset, Lord God, in the lives of those that are reaching out to you here at these altars that are reaching out to you uh, over our broadcast right now. Thank you, Lord God, that, that lives are being made new, minds are being made new, situations are being turned around and reset and made new, Lord God, in this moment. You are the God that renews, and we thank you for it even right now. And I pray, Lord God, that as my brothers and sisters move forward from this place Lord God they would walk in that newness in that freshness of your presence of your love of your grace on their lives Lord God and walk in the victory that you've given them Lord God in this new season and I pray in Jesus name that everyone under the sound of my voice as we navigate this year to come and the, even the days to come Lord God we pray that your presence would be there guiding us helping us leading us along the way God and that we would remember that you are the God that renews us day by day your mercies are even new every morning. We praise you for it and we walk in it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Hope to see you again very soon. Those of you watching online today, if you gave your life to Jesus Christ today, why don't you type the word saved and text it to the number that's on your screen. We'd love to get you some materials that'll be a blessing to you and your family. Also, if you have a prayer request, feel free to call the number that's on your screen and we'll make sure that someone prays for your prayer request as well. God bless you and we hope to see you again very soon. Take care.